From Alaska Teen Media Institute, this is Podcast in Place, Youth Stories from Quarantine, a series about youth in Alaska during the COVID-19 pandemic. We're bringing you stories, interviews, and audio diaries from socially distanced teenagers and young adults. I'm Atme Health reporter Janya Toomey, recording this on my laptop at my home in Anchorage, Alaska, since the Atme studio is still closed. On January 19th, the Anchorage School District brought its first wave of students back into the classroom. Catherine Porter was one of the first teachers back with them. She teaches special education study skills at East Anchorage High School. Atme Youth Health reporter Annika Wolf spoke with Ms. Porter about what it was like returning to in-person classes, the difficulties teaching remotely, and how she and other teachers are working to keep students safe. They spoke on February 10th, 2021. We have a couple of questions for you. Um, one of them is, what is the difference from last year without COVID to a pandemic going on this year? Everything's different. So, you know, last year was just a normal school year. For me, it was very different. I was actually on maternity leave. And so I was only in school for two weeks. And then I had my baby. So I was gone until the end of January. So I was actually back about... Um, right around two months before the pandemic hit in person. But, you know, last year was a normal school year. We have about 2,000 kids in the school going among those six classes and teaching face-to-face. And this year we have been 100% online, teaching all through Zoom and Canvas. And, you know, not seeing students at all in, in person. I just, at the beginning of quarter two, so in January, started going back in person with a small group. So I have been back in person with a small group, but it's still very different from last year. What are the benefits of being back to in-person in learning? I get to see students' faces. There's a few students who came in that I have had online, and honestly, I didn't even know what they look like because they had never turned on their camera. Um, it is really great to have some students and kids in my classroom and be able to help them one-on-one you know, everything's just more efficient in person. You can just see what they're doing and look at it versus having to share a screen and explain it all. I am seeing impacts on their grades. So the students in my room, I track their grades daily and they are going up and the amount of missing assignments is also going down. So that's really great. Uh, the students in my room are on Zoom. So they're still attending the three, three classes on Zoom and so everyone's sitting in a very quiet room on Zoom and I'm just walking around, helping them, keeping them on task, off their phones, monitoring them, and then helping them that way. Another benefit is just the physical things. Like I can print off a piece of paper and give it to the students so that way they can, you know, look at the questions as they do the reading on their Chromebooks versus having to switch back and forth among tabs. So some of those physical benefits are useful along with, you know, we use lots of hand sanitizer between touching anything. You guys are wearing masks, correct? Yeah, so we're all wearing masks and, and we are socially distanced. I have 13 students in my room and my TA because that's what we could fit in, um, spacing on the tables apart. 
What are you most nervous about going back to in-school learning? I am nervous about the potential shutdowns and closures. I'm also nervous about the potential behaviors and mental health of the students coming back. And I am nervous about, you know, potential COVID exposure. I can fit 13 students in my room, but that is not the normal high school class size. And so honestly, when you put 30 to 40 students in a room, there will not be social distancing and we will be eating in the room. I am right now with my students. Also right now, you know, if any student has any, you know, symptom of any sort, they're not allowed to come to school. So I do worry about disrupting students learning that way when they have to go home and be quarantined or can't come in. And already in the students in my room, they have not been in school in person. And so just some of those expectations and classroom procedures and school kind of procedures, they do not have down, I guess, especially the freshmen. And so in some ways I am worried about that, um, what potential behaviors we might be having and just some of the mental health of some of these students coming back. How has the pandemic changed the atmosphere and feeling of the community in your classroom? Oh, it's so different. So I was going in person into the school and Zooming from there beginning of the school year. And then as our case numbers went up, I stayed home for a little bit, then went back in. And honestly, it made me cry. Just the school is so quiet and so empty. And just sitting around my empty classroom that's kind of frozen from last March, honestly, was just a little bit too much. So I started Zooming from home. So now it's great to have those students back in my room. Uh, the first weeks, honestly, they seemed a little like shell shock, like so quiet, um, not really sure what to expect. And so, you know, that's changed a little bit. I feel like we're all getting a little more comfortable. You know, some of the students I have in my room, I've never met before, I've never taught before, so they don't know me at all. And it's not like normal teaching because they're just, you know, on Zoom. So you still don't have that same classroom positive environment you do that you build as you go along. Um, but it is great to have students in my room. And I'm, like I said, I've seen them starting to talk a little more and be a little more comfortable, talk to me a little bit and kind of figure out this hybrid online in-person we are having. And it is good to see other students in the building. You, you, know, you can't walk around the hallways, but you will see students and there's more teachers in the building. And so it's nice to kind of get some of that energy back a little bit. We both know that freshman and senior year of high school is really important and memorable years. How is this year different for those students? Honestly, I'm very proud of all of our students. I mean, this is not easy and they are so resilient and just learning technology and skills so quickly, um, especially for freshmen. High school is different. Your classes matter a little bit more in high school. The material is really important to learn. And also, if you don't pass a class, you don't get the credit towards graduation. And so, honestly, some freshmen don't realize that, that failing has a lot more consequences. And this pandemic will put many high schoolers behind in credits. But, yeah, for the freshmen, this is just totally different. Like, some of these kids have never even been East in the building. You know, they don't know what these teachers look like, what the building looks like. And so that's really hard. And the balance of the high school classes is different than middle school. And then also for seniors, I mean, senior year is a fun year. Often you get to take these fun hands-on electives. And a lot of that, you know, it's all online now. You always have prom and your sports and yearbook and 
you have really good friends by your senior year. So all of that kind of feel like it has been taken away from these kids. You know, last year graduation wasn't even the same. So overall, I think they're like I said, they're doing a really good job, and it's impressive to see how adaptable really all our students are. And I feel like society is not giving them enough credit for that. Um, but it has not been easy. We'll be right back. This episode was produced as part of ATME's Youth Health Reporters cohort, where youth produce their own news features and stories on health topics of their choice. If you're between the ages of 13 and 21 and interested in digging into Alaskan health issues, apply to become a youth health reporter. Our cohort meets weekly over Zoom to work on stories, learn skills and best practices, and hear from professional journalists who cover public health and safety in Alaska. To apply, go to alaskateenmedia.org or email us at news at Now back to Annika's interview with Katherine Porter. What are some challenges to teaching over Zoom versus teaching in person? Oh, there's so many challenges. <laughs> Number one, I guess, is just the logistics of it, the timing of Zoom. Everything on Zoom takes longer than in person. And but you're going through and the quarter system in theory, twice as much material in because you're doing an entire semester in a quarter, but just logging on and getting everyone going and showing assignments and figuring out the technology and opening all the documents and the you know, six tabs you have to open every day is really time consuming. Being able to adapt lessons to Zoom was challenging. You know, videos are helpful, but if they're too long, then they get glitchy and the students can't see them. And, you know, how long assignments do you upload? So you really have to adapt your lesson plans, like less, like even group walk and discussion walk and writing on the board and notes is all totally different on Zoom. And also it's just, really challenging to see what the students are doing. You know, most of what I teach is studies, well, what I teach is study skills and most of the class time is time for them to be doing assignments. So there's a lot of nonverbal communication that goes on. I can walk around a classroom in person and see that student's not asking for help, but they look stuck. And they've been staring at that same question now for five minutes, so I can maybe go and ask them if they need help or prompt them. And I can't absorb any of that over Zoom. I can't even see if these students are on task because almost no student turns on their camera unless you ask and even then they won't always. So I really can't see if they're actually walking or not and if they're actually doing their assignments or not. And that's very challenging. What are steps that East High School is taking to keep teachers and students safe from COVID-19 when we all come back in quarter four? So all of the schools have pretty comprehensive safety plans and East also has one. We also just um, came up with another option for families who are not comfortable with a face-to-face. So now you can come back face-to-face. You could do what we call East High Remote, which is keeping your East teachers and doing asynchronous and then a Zoom on Wednesdays. And then now we also have the full ASD virtual, which could be a teacher from anywhere in the district and then homeschool. But um, we all have, you know, sanitizing bottles and lots of hand sanitizer and we have stations around the school we have like arrows on the floor kind of directing people like stay on this side that side everyone has to wear masks and we have extra masks provided if needed 
we are going to follow social distancing as much as possible as we can, you know, in the hallways and the classroom. Again, realistically, when you have uh, 30 kids in a classroom and you only have desks that sit two students, I mean, some of that will not be fully six feet apart. Um, there is plexiglass, you know, on the main offices. So like if a parent comes in to talk to like the attendance office and stuff like that. So we have a safety plan and everything's in place. But truly, we'll see how it goes when we have all the kids in, in the building. How are students in general feeling about going back to in-school learning? I think most are excited and ready. I've had students asking all year, like, when are we going back? When are we going back? Some have told me that they're afraid of COVID and they maybe don't want to come back in person. So I think it's a whole mix. I think quarter one, there was a lot more of when are we going back? Well, honestly, I think we're kind of getting this figured out and we're getting comfortable with online and how it, it works and how things are going. I've had a few less of those questions, um, but I think it is important to realize for students that when we do come back, it will be different. You know, there will be masks and social distancing and stuff like that. It will not be quite the same as normal high school. Why is it so important for the students who teach specifically to be able to study in person? I teach special education. Um, so most of my students have learning disabilities or ADHD or high functioning autism. Some are in general education classes and then some are you know, in resource classes. So they might have, for example, like a resource special education math and English class. And then, you know, the history and other classes are in general education. So it's a whole mix. Some are in all general education with just study skills for help. But most of them need study skills for a reason. They just need that extra accountability, that extra opportunity to be able to ask help. You know, some of them have jobs or babysitting or sports after school. So also just that time to do their assignments. Um, you know, I do a lot of grade checks. I help with some of that teacher communication and self-advocacy. Because, you know, some students, it is hard to be able to go to a teacher and be like, hey, I'm missing this assignment. Can I get an extra copy? And I would sometimes, you know, go with them or walk with them to talk to the teacher or email the teacher ahead of time to kind of like warm it up a little bit. And so I think for my students, especially in person is important just to have that accountability, that opportunity to ask questions, that extra time, that safe spot. Um, which is one reason I volunteered to come back in person for a small group because I feel like a lot of them need that and they're not getting it at home. Or, you know, some parents are busy during the day or walking with their siblings and also just the distractions at home. And also, honestly, that self-control, you know, a lot of these teenagers, you know, they have ADHD, there's distractions. And for most people, adults too, their phone, their TV or video games are probably more entertaining than someone talking over Zoom or this math problem that's really difficult. So a lot of it's just, you know, someone helping them learn that self-control of staying on task. What steps are you taking to ensure that your students are engaged, whether it is inside the classroom or at home? Um, but right now, I'm not teaching over Zoom. I am just monitoring the students in my classroom. When I was on Zoom, I would try to do like, you know, little games and activities, some of which would be quiet to do a turn on your camera. Um, because I have smaller class sizes, I would do a lot of like, hey, are you there? Hey, are you there? Either in person or in chat. I would sometimes do like forced 
screen shares, be like, you need to show me what you're walking on right now to make sure you're actually doing stuff. Um, and then I would try to do as much discussions and stuff as we could. And again, I had smaller class sizes, which made that a little easier. In person, I will confiscate phones. I will, you know, keep kids awake. I will, like I said, print things off for them so that way they can like take notes and follow along as they go on Zoom. I will give them water bottles. I will be like, hey, you need to get up and go to the bathroom and wash your face and then come back because you're falling asleep on Zoom. Really encourage them to take those notes and stuff. I have gotten on Zoom, so I'll like join the link or you know, have the kids step away from their computer and like unmute and be like, hey, this is the teacher now. Like, what are they supposed to be doing right now? Because they are a little lost and not quite doing it. Um, so that's a lot of things I'm kind of doing to help keep them engaged, both when I was on Zoom and now in person in a small group. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, thank you. I just want to say, like, this has been a challenging school year for parents, educators, students, everyone. Um, but like I said, overall, I know, like, our students and our teachers and parents are being very resilient, especially with all the changes. That was East Anchorage High School teacher Katherine Porter speaking with At Me Youth Health reporter Annika Wolf. You've been listening to Podcast in Place, Youth Stories from Quarantine from Alaska Teen Media Institute. Our show's theme music was composed by Devin Schreckengost with additional music by Kendrick Whiteman. Stay tuned for more stories from quarantined youth. You can find these stories at alaskateenmedia.org where we have included resources for youth during quarantine in partnership with the State of Alaska Division of Behavioral Health. Alaska Teen Media Institute is based in Anchorage, Alaska. We would like to acknowledge the Denina people whose land we work on. Many thanks to supporters of our podcast, including the Alaska Press Club, John O'Hara, and James McCoy. The views expressed in this program do not necessarily represent the views of our sponsors. Thanks to our listeners who contribute to our programs and help us leverage additional funds and grants. If you'd like to support Youth Voices in Alaska and help keep our podcast going, you can support us through Patreon. Patreon is a membership platform that makes it easy for you to support creative endeavors like Atme. Just go to patreon.com slash alaskateenmedia. You can also help out by subscribing to, rating, or writing a review of our series on Apple Podcasts. Every little bit helps us get our stories out there. And don't forget to check out our website, alaskateenmedia.org. There you can learn more about what our organization does, discover more youth-produced content, or find out how to get involved. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for all sorts of updates. For Alaska Teen Media Institute, I'm Jania Toomey. Thanks for listening and stay safe out there. We'll get through this together.